Guru Nation, welcome to episode 502 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, Chris and I talk about some of the unfortunate aspects of running a site. Rare, so I guess by definition that would mean not very common, but sometimes sponsors are unable to pay for various reasons. We saw this in the Great Recession, 2008, uh, when a lot of biotechs went bankrupt and I knew some sites that were affected by this and couldn't get paid. Well, it's happening again. And not, not necessarily biotechs that go bankrupt. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, the market has been good, so most biotechs are publicly traded. But this happens to be a privately owned company, uh, which is kind of a red flag because financing is always going to be an issue for privately owned companies that don't actually have products to sell. So that's exactly the case with Romark. Uh, and Chris and I go in depth. Uh, we read an article that we co-authored along with uh, another one of our staff writers on Latinos in clinical research. And we quote anonymous sources. And there's a lot to be learned from this uh, if you're a site. And also if you're just someone in the industry. It's not very common, but it may happen more frequently unfortunately in the future as we have more and more studies and more and more sponsors getting into clinical research so let me know what you guys think about this we ask some challenging questions towards the end that we're not sure have any answers right now but it's definitely a dialogue needs to be had around this topic so check that out link to the actual articles in the show notes also in the show notes is the Patreon channel, $5 a month with a monthly mastermind and weekly videos. Uh, also in the show notes, CRA and CRC academies. And if you need more studies for your site, hopefully studies from sponsors that pay, text me 949-415-6256. With all that being said, enjoy this episode. All right, Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. We bring you the hard-hitting truth of what's hard out hitting. there. I like it, yeah. hard-hitting. Hard-hitting truth. So, Chris, you know, we've, we wrote this article along with Eileen Schneider, the writer. She actually did the majority of the writing um, on this sponsor that's not paying sites. And we've actually been hearing about this sponsor for... Quite almost some time now, almost yeah, quite some time. Well, uh, what we're going to get into in depth, it hasn't been a year. It's probably been what eight months, six right. months, something right. like that. Right, right, right. But there were several red flags. I mean, I don't know. We can unpack some of it, but uh, it, it the company's called Romark Therapeutics or Romark Pharma. We'll we'll get into the article um, right now, but. This this doesn't happen that often. It did happen a lot more frequently than it does now in 2008 during the Great Recession when biotechs were going bankrupt, basically publicly traded biotechs getting delisted from NASDAQ and then running out of money and going bankrupt. So I know of some sites back then that did studies that didn't get paid. In this case, we're dealing with a private company. It's not publicly traded. And they have to secure financing on their own, which apparently someone forgot to do. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. A big forget. That's a big forget. Right. But, um, if you recall back in, I think it was 2012, uh, one of our research sites uh, was awarded a study. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was negotiating the budget and they just weren't paying reasonable costs for the different assessments on the budget. And I discussed this with you, if you recall, you probably don't, but again, this was 2012, so nine years ago. And did, we finally just said, hey, you have to meet these minimums or we just can't do the study. And they said, well, unfortunately, we can't pay you that, so we're not going to utilize your site. And lo and behold, like six months later, we got an email because we we're still on the email thread. Mm-hmm. This part you might recall. Yeah. We got, got an email from all the sites how the sponsor wasn't paying them. Do you recall that? I do recall that. I forgot the yeah. sponsor's name. I do too. Biotech, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that could be a key warning in terms of whether or not uh, this sponsor went a different route, I think, though, in terms of what they're willing to pay sites. This sponsor went a different route. So, yeah, the difference with that sponsor from Romark, first one is they're publicly traded. So they've already done their they've already done what they're supposed to do to secure financing. This is how companies grow and scale. They go public. This is why mm-hmm. the public markets exist for exactly for cases like this, right? Now, yep. things can go bad when the companies go bankrupt. Companies go bankrupt all the time that are publicly traded. Uh, and then their vendors are SOL. And in research, it's no different. It's just in research, we typically are dealing with well-capitalized study sponsors, right? Even the small market cap ones, like they're well capitalized unless it's in a very bad market like 2008 or 2012 was like, it was getting better. But I guess that's that example that you brought up shows that it could happen anytime. You just got to be careful. So if you're dealing with a penny stock or one of these stocks that's uh, you're not too sure about, I mean, you got to do your due diligence. And this is kind of the point of this. It's not really to throw shade at Romark. We don't know anything about Romark other than this article that we wrote and what we've heard. We don't know anyone there. We don't have a history with them. I mean, it could have been any company, right? It's just, there's a lot of lessons here um, for sites and, if you want to read the full article, it's underneath the show notes. It's on latinosinclinicalresearch.com. Um, it's a COVID study, so I'm not going to get into all the background. But basically, the fir- to me, the first red flag is not publicly traded. Not always a red flag, but to me, it's a red flag. Another one was the fact that I've never heard of them before. And we never we didn't do this study at our sites, so... Um, you know, we we haven't done this study for Romark, thankfully. Um, <laughs> Somebody I know is pushing real hard to get this study, though. At a, uh, someone we know? Yeah, someone you know very well. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure who, but we uh, know we know a few sites that are, have done this study and are still doing this study. Well. So the person that was pushing, you kept saying to me, hey, why don't we get this study for our sites? Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I just never wanted to get this study for our sites for a number of reasons. But uh, it's a good thing we didn't get the study. Yeah, thankfully. it's a, Thankfully, we did not get the study. Um, 
because it would have been disastrous. And all jokes aside, you know, this can actually put, and I mean, the dust may settle here and maybe Romark's going to end up paying everyone like they said they would. Right. Um, Time will tell. Yeah. And time will tell, but for some sites that are just getting started, we know a few sites that this is their first study. Yeah. If they're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in expenses with the anticipation that they're getting reimbursed because in research, you don't really have to worry about this stuff, but every now and then you get a company like Romark or a situation like this mm-hmm. where it becomes a huge problem. It could put companies out of business. I mean, who knows? Maybe there will be some sites going out of business. We don't know all the sites in these studies. We know like a handful of them. So I've, I've been doing this for 13 years. I've been working in the research industry for 13 years. And this is the second time only that I've heard of this happening where, mm-hmm. where I could identify the sponsor. The previous sponsor that we spoke of, if I looked through my email, I could find their name. Um, but it's only twice in 13 years. So it does happen. It just doesn't happen often. Right. And there are lessons to be learned. I mean, the first one is look up the as best you can the financial standing of the company. If they're publicly traded, look at their stock price, read some investor. This is why all the biotech stuff I'm doing and we're doing on the clinical research circle is still important. I mean, you got to learn, you got to learn that stuff a little bit. If you're a site owner, you got to understand what makes a stable company, what look at their balance sheet, look at how much debt they have, look at what contracts they have. If you can look at previous studies, there's plenty of analysts out there. For these companies now when they're private like this that's Im- immediately a red flag one of our clients looked them up on dun and bradstreet and they're there which is the credit agency for companies and it came back risky do not do business with on dun and bradstreet mm-hmm. so and they decided to do business with them anyways um because this is almost unheard of in research but just because it's unheard of doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And just because it doesn't happen that often doesn't mean that this is not something the industry should talk about. And I think if this industry is already, and I'm pretty anti-regulations for the most part, but if this industry is so heavily regulated, I think we should regulate the financial stability of sponsors as best as we can. Somebody should do that. I mean, it's important. The patients at the end of the day are victims in this too. And we write about that in the article also. So in, in what way are they victims? So let's say a patient's in the study and doing well, and this is mm-hmm. happening a lot. Okay. Patients in the study doing well, the site hasn't got paid. The sites tell us all the patients, Hey, we got to withdraw you from the study. We're sorry. And because we're going to go out of business. But the, the patients have been paid for their time. They're paid for the time, but they're doing well on the study drug and they signed up to finish the study in sure. theory. So uh, what you're saying is in, in the sense of uh, being victims, it's just that the sponsor is not fulfilling what they stated would be the timeline for the study. It's anti-patient centric, which is the last thing the industry needs. Sure. And I bet you there's been patient, not a bet. We know for a fact there's been patients dropped out from this study because of mm-hmm. that you think sure. those people will ever do a study again i mean some of them will but well many of them won't and they're gonna they're gonna tell all their friends hey you know i was in a study they took me out 
they didn't pay me or maybe the site did pay them who knows i mean you basically what romark did was left it up to the sites to sponsor their study sure sure (laughs) this is what they did but that's very that's very common because one of our clients asked me this the other day hey can um can the patients be paid by clinic card and i said well the sponsors rarely offer that i mean they do on occasion but that's not common if you want to use clinic card you'll have to pay for it yourself so this is a common occurrence even with very large sponsors in which the sites have to fund the stipends themselves in which they get reimbursement for exactly that's not uncommon Uh, that's not uncommon up front but that you're gonna get reimbursed for yeah. Well, in this case, the sites are sponsoring everything up front and they're not getting reimbursed with anything except promises. Right. So that's um, that's impacting. I mean, Romark's basically, and I don't know if they did this intentionally or not, probably not. They probably, my suspicion is, and this is just a guess, the they uh, their investors got nervous because the COVID, you know, all the numbers are going down and at the same time, the data for their drug, I'm just speculating, was not looking good. Um, Complete speculation. We have no idea if that's we have no the case clue. Or, not, or not. We have no clue. I mean, we have anonymous sources, but we didn't even get into this in the article because they right. don't know either. Yeah, I have no that's idea just, what the efficacy is. That's just my speculation because if the data were to be good, investors would be more interested in something like this because like you're saying and like the j and j thing today you know that's been put on hold because of some Mm. issues we do need treatments like it's not just about the vaccine we need treatments um so there is a demand for this but i don't know they they probably the financing they thought they were going to secure they couldn't get and the company has bad credit rating so i doubt they can get credit from banks and so all they're left with is like VC firms. Do you know for a fact they have a bad credit rating? Yeah, Dun and Bradstreet, bad. That's pretty uh, bad. Yeah. So think about this for a second. I mean, let's think. They their budget is like millions of dollars per site, basically, right? What they told sites, six figures to seven figures if the sites enroll all the patients they're supposed to. Sure. Be. It's not a bad budget. Yeah. And now they can't get their investors that they thought they had get nervous for whatever reasons. I think because COVID numbers are going down and because uh, the data just wasn't wasn't looking good. Um, and they can't go to banks. They can't get a, a company credit line. Right. Uh, so now they're just left with angel investor VCs. Who's going to want to do that? And so there was actually a town hall meeting. Uh, so the first half of the article is all about their background. And here's the thing about Romark. They're actually, one of the key principles is um, Jean-Francois Rossignol. And uh, he is like world-renowned um, in creating this uh, NT, um, basically nitric, nitric oxide. Uh, oh, here it is. Nitazo nitazoxinate extended release so this guy like pioneered that he's been doing research on this for a long time it's not like this is a, a con artist who is one of the key principles of this company but he's not running the business he's just the scientist mm-hmm. he hired business people like mark ayers who's the ceo who was on the town hall meeting to manage this right this guy's not in charge of financing anything like that he just comes up with ideas so if you did it like your due diligence you would say okay this is a world-renowned 
scientist. I mean, he probably published in science and nature and all that stuff too. So doctors might be feeling, okay, this is a company that he's a part of. This is a safe, safe company. So it just goes to show, even if you do the due diligence, you get caught, you can get caught in something like this. And um, I guess the message, the take-home message is just be careful. I mean, if your gut tells you, like you, Chris, you said no to this study. Mm-hmm. Whereas people we know very well wanted to do it. Yeah, we I know. don't know if myself was one of them. Yeah, you were one of them. You kept pushing it. We okay, should be so doing I, this study. I would, yeah. So it just goes to show you guys that you get to. Yeah, there's no surefire way to avoid this. There just isn't. No. But what was it that made you say no? Well, one of them. Your, your instinct said no. So one of the reasons was that it was a COVID study and none of our sites are really set up for COVID, mm-hmm. but it was just the fact that, um, so we know four people, four different sites um, who are not getting paid by these, uh, by this company. And I believe they're all in the six figure realm, but one of them was telling me that they had submitted their startup fee and it's been months and they just keep telling them they'll get it in two weeks. And I just didn't like that. Just yeah. something about, you know, it just set off an alarm bell. And I was just like, yeah, I, don't. I kept telling you, yeah, I'll look into it, but I wasn't going to look into it because I just wasn't, wasn't yeah, I'm, thrilled I'm with that. Offense. I actually forgot that I was wanting to get this study. So yeah, I'm one of those people that wanted to get this study. Oh, that's why you were saying, I know this person very well. It's me. Yes, I get yeah, it. I exactly. get it. I'm actually trying to, I said, you know, this person very well. I'm trying to think, who are you talking about? Yes, yes. Now, a red flag to me would be like a huge budget like that with as many sites. So I don't know if you, because you talk to a lot of sites more than me who are like budget-wise regarding this study. Mm-hmm. And it's basically competitive enrollment. They wanted like something like 1,500 patients, right? Mm-hmm. We have it in the thing here. The multi-center randomized double-blind trial was designed to study as many as 800 patients, 12 years and older. They also had other studies that they did. They did a prevention study too, right? Right, where they wanted like either 800. So between the two was like 1,600. They probably had like 70 sites or more. Again, this is speculation. We don't know any of this for fact, but yeah, I mean, we can go on clinicaltrials.gov and see, right? we can just do the numbers right oh yeah 1407 participants in this one trial okay right for um pre and post exposure prophylaxis and i we know sites that did this study too and i think they didn't get paid as well and they did the other one concurrently for the mild to moderate symptoms concurrently Mm -hmm. so sites are out i mean look 1400 patients in one study Using 26 sites, so let's say the other one was 800, so you're using like 15 sites. Okay, you got 30 sites, basically getting promised somewhere, and we're just guessing. Four, 40 sites, not 30. Okay, 40 sites getting what per completed patient, would you guess? Yeah, 10 grand, I don't know. Okay, that, and that's on the low end, but let's say 10 grand. Okay, so 1,400 times 10 is... Uh, it's 14 million. 14 million that they have to pay to all the sites for one study. Right. And then you've got more studies. So you've got sites out six, six figures on average 
five to six figures mm. that they're they're out right so in 2020 Realmark started two phase three trials for the prevention of covid that's the one one of the ones we saw around the third quarter of 2020 we were fielding several newer sites asking if it was normal for sponsors not to pay several months later the volume kept getting larger and larger then we started paying attention who is Romark? and so sites are out six figures on average each because of not getting paid and to a site that's just getting started or even a site for that matter that's experienced established six figures is a lot of money i mean that's payroll for at least several months for some sites for entire year payroll yep, yep. all right so uh, we started hearing things. Then we started Googling. We looked into it. We saw an article sometime around the fall of last year that Romark got evicted from their one of their offices. Then they had a call about that saying, no, that's just the journalist. That was a hit piece. Um, we wanted to get out, whatever. We gave them the benefit of the doubt. There's a large uh, study broker, a very reputable one, that had sent Romark a lot of sites. And that study broker also is not getting paid. And as far so as they, we know. As far as we know, we don't know. We haven't talked to anyone at that study broker. And we're not going to mention them because it's kind of a negative story. And there are they are a reputable broker. So yeah. we're not going to mention them. Um, but basically, this reputable study broker forced, there's no better way to put it, forced the CEO Mark Ayers to host uh, this virtual town hall meeting, which was just last week on Thursday, but only the sites in that broker's network. So what does that tell you? That tells you that Romark didn't want to do it. And number two, only did it because they had to. And number three, they don't really care about the sites because they would have just invited all the sites because all the sites have this question, not just the ones from our study broker. Sure. All the sites have these questions. Completely agree. So that's another question we raised in the article. The theme of the call was for Romark to attempt to reassure the sites uh, that they are part of the, that financing is getting finalized in their credit, in Romark's credit, and maybe this was part of the strategy. They did not have a call to action to enter data. They didn't, you know, we were kind of expecting that they would from what we, our anonymous sources told us there was no such thing as called actions to enter data. I think honestly, the sites are smarter than that and they're beyond that. But there point. was an appeal to their goodwill, right? There was appeal to their, exactly, to the higher value, which if you read from the 48 laws of power, I think it was 48 laws of power, always appeal to the higher value uh, because then you're distracting from the real issue. Right. So the, the appeal was, hey, we're doing this for the patients. We're doing this to make a difference, which we agree. This is what politicians do for. this all the time. Exactly. But where the rubber meets the road is where these sites are not in this. They're not they didn't agree to do this study for free. Right. They didn't. They're not nonprofits. These are for profit companies operating in the United States, the most capitalistic country in the world. So. And Romark's trying to make money out of this too. They're not doing this out of their goodwill, right? But it looks like they're not going to. It looks like they have a real disaster on their hands. And we're, time will tell if they're going to pay. My bet would be no. Your bet was no six months ago. I was a little more optimistic. Yeah, it's, uh, still, it's still a firm and solid no. <laughs> yeah, I've joined you now on the firm and solid no. It just took me some time. 
Um, we had so you can go what, read the article word for word. We had uh, anonymous source in there writing exactly what was being said, more or less like a summary. So in the article towards the end, Chris and I wrote, you know, whether any sites get paid is almost besides the point. Few few key takeaways for this. Understand the, the sponsor's financial situation that we discussed. Most are publicly traded, so you can look at their financially. Everything's open. With private companies like this, um, it's dangerous, especially if they're private and not a household name. For example, I don't know if it was Boring or Ingelheim, but we did a study with a really big household name sponsor, and I was looking because I'm curious at the stock. I don't know if it was Boringer or not, but... It was a household name. And at that time, they were not public. They had been public before. Then they went private for different reasons. You can go private and then you go public again. Ikevia was the same. Ikevia was public. Then it went private. Now it's public again. So if it's not a household name and it's not publicly traded, that's a double, to me, red flag. You got to look into it. Then you got to look into exactly what the budgets look like, how many sites, and just do the, the the math like we just did, right? Just back of the napkin math. How is this company? Do a Dun & Bradstreet check. You can find out estimates of their yearly revenues. Now, with that said, I, I would add, though, that just because they're not publicly listed does not mean you can't do business with them. I mean, we've done studies with non-listed companies. Dr. Reddy's, when they first started doing research in the United States, they weren't listed. So... Right. And we got paid. We got paid everything we were owed. That's true. But Dr. Reddy's lab is a very big company in India. They are right. publicly listed there. Right. But not here. So, right. You know. But they have access to capital. That's the point. Romark true. is not true. listed true. anywhere. True. They don't have access to capital. That's the problem with this. So, Dun and Bradstreet then becomes the next check, right? And if you ran their DNB, you'll find high risk status do not do business with is what it says. Uh-huh. And then Google search, you'd be amazed. Chris and I, Chris, we discovered. Oh yeah. Some we found some crazy things. stuff. Oh, absolutely crazy stuff. On doctors. When we do our due diligence on potential PIs oh, yeah. and potential business partners. Yep. So it might start needing to do the same thing for sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, study sponsors. And, uh, when dealing with extraordinary late payments from study sponsors, a tactic of last resort for sites has been to hold data hostage. Sponsors pay sites ultimately for one thing, the data. Holding this until payment is received is one way of expediting the process. Other slightly less dramatic options have popularly been to restrict CRA access to conduct IMVs. I've done this a few times. It's funny how fast you'll get your payment when you, when you come up with that. Uh, as an alternative. Yeah, the, now, the holding, sorry, the holding data, I certainly wouldn't do unless you're willing to burn a bridge. Right. It's important, to, it's important to understand that these tactics should never come as a substitute for attempts at effective communication between site and sponsor. Soft skills should be the default. Aggressive strategies should rarely, if ever, be used. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the takeaways. The questions I have for industry, and I know people like Craig Lipset, Joe Dustin, all those people on a Clubhouse now. I, I want to bring this topic up maybe on Clubhouse on Friday, but I want to. I would like to have like a industry wide discussion on this. Should standards be set up to ensure financial solvency and ability to finance the study 
being submitted to the FDA. Um, should regulations exist to preemptively reduce or eliminate these types of financially unprepared study sponsors? Does industry owe this service to study participants who so, also end up being victims in this situation? So the downside to this is whenever you implement more regulation, you, you implement more overhead for the the business, right? So right. there's more expenses, thus in return, you're going to receive that passed upon to the consumer. So right. their drug prices are going to be higher. So, you know, there's positives and negatives to consider here. Yeah. Uh, I just, it would be great if, okay, so let me go this route. I don't think this happens often enough for this to be something to concern, to consider. My opinion. Right, right. But what about in the next decade when now we're entering the long tail of research where with gene, gene sequencing, long read sequencing, it's going to spur with CRISPR, it's going to spur a whole bunch of brand new first time sponsors sure. into the space. And I mean, it's potentially could be, it could become more common. And I don't know so, if that's something the industry actually wants or is prepared for. So we already have a system set up to handle these problems, right? I don't think the FDA is the source to handle this problem. And the problems are the court system, right? Lawsuits and, and the like. Um, there's no patient safety here per se. I mean, yeah, some patients may have to withdraw early, but so long as, and that's where it's up to the PI just to make sure the patient's safe, right? Regardless right. of being paid or not. Um, but that's not that's not fair for the PI because they're sure it's not fair, but that's why you have the system as it's set up, right? Where you can right. you can sue. And for I mean, the only other option here would be as a site would be to take initial payment up front. Not that like it's the CROs right. do, like the CROs do exactly, or take it in a brokerage account or something yeah. along those lines. But no sponsor is going to agree to that, though, especially Speaking a reputable which, one. Speaking of which, Romark um, contracted their own CRAs, so they didn't hire a CRO. Right. Which is not uncommon, but it's usually done in bigger sponsors. Mm -hmm. Smaller sponsors almost always outsource to CROs. Did you want it? Because this wasn't mentioned in the article, which I've read. It wasn't, which is, this is why we like the podcast. Do you want to mention uh, your conversation with a particular CRA? Or somebody told us about a conversation with a CRA? And Romark? I'm, I don't recall, but go ahead and remind me. Okay, well, I'll edit this out if this is shouldn't be here. But um, somebody, I forget who, that I was talking to that spoke with the C a CRA for their site. Um, oh, it, I remember who it was. It was... Uh, um, so they were saying they had a conversation with the CRA and the CRA. And they told the CRA, you know what, you're not going to be allowed on site. We, you know, we haven't been receiving payment. And the CRA said, yeah, I understand. I haven't been paid for six months or six weeks. So it's some time frame. And they said they're about done doing CRA wow. work for them too. Okay. And this was like six, I do remember now. This was like six months ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. I don't remember how long ago. And I've but, also heard um, from other sites. We, we have a lot of anonymous sources in the study. It's not just one. There's no, a lot. We have four. More. For officially that talked to Eileen, we have more that just talk to us separately outside of those mm, and on LinkedIn of... and things like that. Okay. Well, you, I don't get on LinkedIn. So. Yeah, yeah no, I'm tired. I'm speaking for the both of us. Right. 
um, they're from one of them. I heard that they're, uh, CRAs were removing Romark from their work history. So they, they kind of had a suspicion something was coming too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I heard that also through the grapevine that didn't make the article either. Huh. But yeah, these are the things to consider. I mean, a lot of red flags, if you look closely, but the thing with these red flags is they're so far apart from each other that in between each warning sign, you could have theoretically seen 50 more patient visits, right? As a site. And you're what out of I, pocket now for all these costs. What I would recommend to avoid this scenario is immediately, if you're working with an unknown, right? If it's a common household name, Pfizer, Bayer, Lilly, whatever, you don't need to worry about this stuff. But if it's something unknown, I would immediately file for my startup payment and I would not do any work until I received it. Yeah. I mean, yes, that's one way. First thing I would do is check the public markets and I would look at the health of the stock and look at the market cap and look at the um, assets. I mean, most of these small biotechs, they don't make revenue anyways, but they have access to enough of a market cap to where they can pay for a study like this. This is why this doesn't happen that often. So when you get a company like this, that's not publicly traded. um, That's the initial red flag, right? Not a household name and not pu- and not publicly traded mm-hmm. uh, anywhere on any market. Not in Mexico, not in India, not in, not in China market. Nowhere. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a uh, double red flags there. And we had a lot of sites taking the study. And look, this is definitely brings up a lot of uh, interesting talking points for industry heads and. I'll, I'll challenge them to, uh, I would like to send out a personal challenge to give this some thought because there's definitely ethical implications here when you involve patients. And yeah, just, I thought it was interesting beyond just being about Romark because this is not a story about Romark. Romark is just the framework for this topic that would have happened anyways with someone else. Sure. So that's it. Anything else? Well, I think we covered about uh, everything we're aware of. Yeah, so link to the article underneath. Be careful, guys. Again, doesn't happen that often. Clinical research is a great business to be a site. Yep. Twice in 13 years for me. So The first five years of me running my site, I didn't even keep account payables. I just, or sorry, account receivables. I just knew, okay, I'm working with Pfizer, with Johnson & Johnson, with another publicly traded company at that time. I had like three or four of these. I'm like, these, they're going to pay. This is not a matter of whether they can afford to pay me or not. It's more a matter of how long is it going to take them to pay me. But it's not because they can't. It's because of their red tape that they have set up. This needs to trigger this for this to trigger that to get a payment. And just to back up what you're saying, you're as a site, you're much more likely, I mean, many, many times more likely to be overpaid to work on a study than not paid. That's right. Overpaid happens way more frequently. Again, I'm only aware of two incidents uh, since I've been doing this. I've heard of dozens and dozens of incidents of overpayment to sites. Mm -hmm. So that's much more likely to happen to you. Yeah. Which also can be a pain, but at least you're getting paid. At least you're getting paid. Yeah. First five years of me running my site. They didn't have time, so I never checked 
what I'm owed. You know, I just assumed, okay, they're good for it. And it always was, or like you said, they overpaid and then they asked for some money back yep. at the end of the study. So yep. if someone's sitting on the fence about wanting to start a site, this shouldn't, the purpose of this, not to scare you from doing that. Just be um, cautious, be so, somewhat cautious. I, again, I think it's, this happens so infrequently. I don't think you really need to worry about it, but in Dan's point, the only time you really need to worry about this is if the company's unknown, not listed publicly and unknown. But what, if, I agree in with next, that. what if in the next decade, though, because we are entering the long sure, tail, sure. You know, it could happen more. And if you're, again, like I said, in that case, we're going to start working with, a, if there's a lot of unknown quantities or unknown elements getting involved in research, I would first get my startup payment before I would do any work. Yeah. At least, at least that start of a payment should cover one patient, right? Their stipends and paying people for their work. Mm-hmm. And then once you get that patient enrolled through the study, you're going to get paid on that patient. So you'll know if you're getting paid or not, right? Mm-hmm. I think you're covering your costs at least. Yep. And uh, anything else? No. All right. Well, thank you everybody for watching and listening. And uh, hopefully we learned a thing or two from this and catch y'all later. Bye-bye.